Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus the Ferticus. Say what? Charette. Doc G, what's up, sir? Woo! Another August. Wednesday in August, Mike. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Girl, come on! The eighth month of the year. Yeah. What? It's nutter butters, yep. man. Our summer is just fading away. It's just, it is. it's sad to me, Mike. Yes. It's sad. I told you I'm, I'm getting more and more cemented in my thought. I'm going to make an outpost somewhere in the Southern Hemisphere, and we're just going to alternate back and forth. And mm-hmm. once it becomes fall, I'm heading to the summer, uh, some, uh, Southern Hemisphere. I'm going to enjoy their spring, go into summer, and then come back here when we start spring here. <laughs> and that's going to be endless summer for Doc G. That's me. Yeah. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. What do snowbirds do? So they go from the the summertime to the wintertime, right? Or well, so, how do they... so they, they basically enjoy, they, they avoid extremes, Mike. So snow, you know, so snowbirds will enjoy the summer wherever they're usually from. Let's say upstate Mm. New York. It's it's mild. It's seventy five, eighty, and then as soon as it starts to get cold, they head on down to South Florida and see the same mild temperatures. Although thanks to climate change, now South Florida is like one hundred and fifty in October, and you're like, (laughs) oh, okay, it's still still pretty hot down here. But that's the idea, you know. Some, you know, some will take it to, like, the extremes where you get, like, even, like, milder temperatures. So, they'll do, like, the California in the summer, uh, or, sorry, in the winter, and then, like, the, the like, uh, Wyoming in the summer. So, you know, you get, like, maybe 70s in the summer, and then, like, maybe 60s and 70s in the winter. So, you get even, like, a cooler range there. Ooh, that sounds like the ideal snowbird situation right there. It's also I it's mean, Wyoming. It's also for Richies that one, you know, cuz you you yeah. got to be able obviously to afford a place in Southern California and mm-hmm. Wyoming. Uh in Wyoming that's easy to afford if you want to get just some shack. Ew. But they're not going to get a shack. <laughs> nope. They're going to get some compound out in the the Tetons. They're going to get some massive just on no covered wagon no covered wagon a rolls royce out there okay not a rolls royce it's they're gonna get some uh, you know f-150 raptor Word. you know those are, yeah those are big in the rap game mike <laughs> raptors in the rap oh, yeah. game. yeah yeah they'll, they'll mention them a lot and 21 savage loves to bring it up you know he's like yeah, my raptor i'm like really you wouldn't rather just have like a porsche nope or a ferrari mm-hmm. nope you're gonna get a truck hmm. all right Anyways, Mike, that's a, a, a side note. We were talking about uh, South Florida with the snowbirds. You've been you've been to South Florida. You, I mean, oh, yeah. basically lived in Central Florida, right beside it. Um, of course. Did you ever go to Fort Lauderdale? Oh yeah, one of my favorite spots, Doc G. Uh, the um, Elbow Room. That was my go-to spot. It's a nice place, man. My brother, yeah, my brother lives pretty close, not too far. Yeah. Not too, it's, What's the road it's on? What's the little strip? We got A1A. 
Okay. Yeah, it is on A one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, I I love Fort Lauderdale too. You know, it's not as it's not as busy as Miami. It's pretty busy. It's still got a lot of the same sort of scene, the same culture, a lot of good things. Yeah, same vibe. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been to specifically Wilton Manors? Hmm. Um, I'm not sure. So probably have, you know, since you've been to Fort Lauderdale a good amount. Wilton Manors is just a, a, a smaller place about two miles north of, you know, Fort Lauderdale proper. I mean, I would still call it Fort Lauderdale. I would imagine most people in Fort, uh, Wilton Manors call it Fort Lauderdale. It's, uh, it's a lovely place. I've rode my bike through there a lot of times, actually. Um, very lovely. Uh, fun fact, mm. Mike. When I was getting ready to tell you this, uh, the story, I was looking it up online. Um, Wilton Manors, second gayest city in the country. That's a fact. Mm. There you yeah, go. ranked second gayest city. They lost out to Provincetown, Massachusetts. Oh. Apparently, it's the gayest. But oh, <laughs> but we've got uh, Wilton Manors number two, and it seems like uh, we're pretty, you know. We're pretty psyched. In in our hearts, it's the number one gayberhood in America. Yes! So, mm, gayberhood. Gayberhood, Mike. But this lovely South Florida town has a growing crisis. Uh-oh. Yeah. Iguanas. Worse, Mike. It, you're, you're right. It is an animal. A bad python. It's not a python. <laughs> and, I mean, I, we too love them in this neighborhood. But it is not pythons. Woo-hoo. It is not iguanas <laughs> it's rabbits ah uh, uh, rabbits rabbits mike so in a particular area of wilton manor uh janata isles uh about two years ago a resident was moving out and apparently you know she's one of those just careless individuals who was moving out and was like oh i've got these rabbits as a pet I don't want to take these rabbits with me. Yeah, I'm just going to release them into the wild. Wait, what? And she just released rabbits that were unspayed, unneutered, into the wild. Now, Mike, given that it was multiple rabbits, and they were released a while ago, and they were unspayed and neutered, what do you think happened? They multiplied. Yes. There's a reason why we have a saying, they got it on like rabbits. That's a saying, because rabbits like to get it on, Mike, and they multiply Mm. a lot. And now, there are well over a hundred rabbits hopping around this neighborhood. Just weird little, like, Easter bunny rabbits that are all furry and just jumping around all over the place. Hmm. So you're saying they're cute. They're very cute, Mike. Um, (laughs) But at 120, they're very cute. At 15,000, mm-hmm. they won't be so cute. Jeez. Mm, they'll be a problem at 15,000. So they tr- yeah. they tried to get some rescue groups into the neighborhood to take the rabbits, uh, but the rescue groups uh, were not appealing to some of the, the, the neighborhood folks. Word. Apparently, there are some real rabbit lovers in this neighborhood, Mike, and they did not want these rescuers taking their rabbits. They see the rabbits as sort of a neighborhood mascot. And uh, Joe Jones would be one of those guys. Joe Jones, sounds like he gave the fake name to the newspaper. Uh, Joe Jones, <laughs> lives. he's lived in the neighborhood 30 years. 
And Joe the Python Jones. Mm. I'm sorry. There he is. <laughs> I'm sorry. Looking at you, Joe. Wink. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Joe said, quote, they're surviving beautifully here. <clears throat> they bring a lot of joy. I want them to stay. Yes. I got to tell Joe, you know, give it two more years. When it's not a hundred, it's a thousand or 10,000. And they're hopping into your garage they're chewing on wires. Can't drive down the road without running over a bunny carcass because they've got ran over so many times. Ew. They're eating mm. all your dog's food in the backyard. All the rabbit sex is keeping you up at night. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> doesn't sound good at all, Mike. I don't. Th- no, I don't. I don't see the rabbits bringing you joy. So, I've got two ideas, Mike. You tell me which one is better. First, you already mentioned it. We get the pythons. Yeah. We get the pythons. We let a couple of those guys out in this neighborhood. That population is going to go down real fast. Yep. You're going to see some fat pythons, and you're going to see way less bunnies. Hmm. And it'll mostly happen at night. They're predators, so it won't be, you know, it won't be too sad. It's not like you'll just be seeing uh, bunnies eating all the time. It'll happen when you're not looking, so that's pretty good, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Second, if they're not good... With that, Mike, if the if the um, residents of Wilton Manor are not fine with that, here's the second idea. Me and you, we go down there, and we start secretly wrangling rabbits. That's right. The okay. dead of night, Mike, we get a rickety old van, paint it black, right? We, we, mm-hmm. we cruise the streets, find a good, heavily dense rabbit area. Wait until it becomes nighttime, and then we go out there, we set traps, right? Mm-hmm. Lay out some carrots. I've heard from cartoons they're big into those, right? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. we just have a giant old net, and we wait for them to come on much on the carrot, and whap! Got them. Mm-hmm. I looked at it, Mike. They're going for about an average of $100 on online to get a, you know, to get a, a, lion, uh, a lion head uh, a rabbit. So, ooh, yeah, yeah, we get a hundred of those things. Ten thousand dollars, Mike. Ten thousand dollars. Lion head rabbit. Lion head rabbit. That's what they're called. They they don't actually. I mean, they, basically, they're just fluffy. That's why they call them a lion head because they've just got fluffy. extra fluff. You know. Gotcha. The fluff really varies too. You'll see these pictures, and there'll be one that just looks like you know a dust bunny, and then the other one mm. just like he's got like a real short buzz cut. You know. Which I'd really yeah. feel bad for the guy that's just a pile of hair because that can't feel good in 95 degrees and 90% humidity. Like, Jesus Christ, yeah. I am not made for this environment. This is really hot, you guys. I wonder if anything happens to the rabbits. You know how, like, when pigs, when you release them into the wild, like, they start growing hair and uh, tusks. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I wonder if that... Uh, if yeah, no, no, these rabbits, rabbits are going to have tusks. They are going to <laughs> be frightening attack rabbits, Mike. Frightening attack rabbits. Uh, but with that, let's get that van. With that in mind, <laughs> listeners, me and Mike are, are selling lion-headed rabbits. So you know, if you're looking for them, um, we're we're open to selling them. Now, mm-hmm. keep in mind too. Since we know they grew up, these rabbits grew up in America's second gayest city, we would prefer to sell them to gay owners. Yes! But mm-hmm. 
we're not biased. If you're straight and you want a rabbit, we will sell it to you. We're just saying preferential treatment uh, for gay homes to our rabbits. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, while we take orders, Mike, do you want to fire up this rabbit hole of a show? Woohoo! Let's fire up the show, Doc G. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff! Woo! Mike, we have a terrific show this week. We have none other than the Criticals, Parker and Cole. They stopped by for a fantastic chat. Uh, we're going to take, you know, we're going to talk Nashville. We're going to talk, uh, you know, getting into music. We're, I, I can't wait. A lot of good things. A lot of good things. But first, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Happy birthday. Now, Mike, you had a really good week last week, three for three. I don't think you're going to get it this week. Um, it's very, very scant as far as the celebrities that I had to choose from. So uh, we'll see. You're at 48 and three-fourths out of 87. So okay. you're doing good. You're you're well above that, that uh, 50% line right now. Uh, you could go over for like four weeks, three weeks, and still be over fifty percent. So it's not bad. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, a little cushion. So true. This first one, I'm gonna try a, a you know a single phrase here. He's in basketball, in the NBA. He's known as the unicorn. Okay, I'm gonna go into a little bit more detail. He's born on August second, nineteen ninety five, in Latvia. Our birthday suit wearer was attracted to basketball from a young age. Followed his brother uh, in his brother's footsteps. In 2010, he went to try out for a team in Sevilla, Spain. Eventually, he made the team, and he played for three seasons. He then decided to go to the NBA draft in 2015. He was picked fourth overall by the New York Knicks. Hmm. New York Knicks fans were not happy. He started out really well. And by his uh, 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 third year in the, uh, the, the NBA, he was an all-star. But right after he became an all-star, he tore his ACL and was out for the rest of the season. He was then sent to the Dallas Mavericks. He was then traded to the Washington Wizards. Just this offseason, he's been traded to the Boston Celtics. He's one of the tallest players in the league at 7'3". And he's often known, like I said, as the unicorn. Name that birthday suit where? Is it Porzingis? Chris Stapp's Porzingis is correct. Yes, Mike. Cool. Nicely cool, cool. done. I was a little worried because that's, uh, I don't know if that's the best option. Yep, that is the best option. So if you didn't get that one, it's going to be even tougher for the last two because these last two, I don't know. <laughs> okay. 49 and three-fourths out of 88. Good job, Mike Kristaps. You know, he's one of those guys. That's the thing is I sort of point to it. You know, people, uh, and again, I'm not coming down on Wimbenyama, nope. but people always, always so amazing. I'm like, look at Kristaps. He came in. He was 7-3. Everybody was like, look at how amazing he is. And he's been good, but he's been injured a whole bunch. And he has definitely not mm -hmm. dominated as a unicorn his whole career. That is for sure. Nope. Like, it's just tough when you're that big, man. It's tough to stay healthy when you got limbs going yeah. every which way, like Kristaps does. 
saw a picture mm-hmm. of him when he went up to uh, uh, Boston for the first time, and he was like meeting with this uh, this group of girls basketball camp attendants, and he just looked like this giant unearthly figure around them that you're just like, what the? Oh my <laughs> god, that's crazy. And that's a fact. Yeah, that's what happens when you're seven three. It's nuts. Seven three. It's crazy, man. Anyways, yeah, that's he's turning uh he's turning twenty eight, Mike. Got the world ahead of him, that young buck. Yeah, he does. He's being twenty eight, making millions of dollars, playing for a great team now in Boston. He's gotta be feeling good. Mm-hmm. He's gotta be solid. Uh Mike, you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip some headlines, Doc J. What do we have? It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. It's getting sexy at the beach in Delaware, Mike. Oh, yeah. It's getting sexy. TMZ gave us the scoop. TMZ gave us the scoop. The president and the first lady hung out at the beach over the weekend in Delaware, Mike. Uh Uh-oh. They're just out there just getting it. That's a fact. Like, it's wild. Like, they literally, it just looked like an older couple out at the beach sitting under an umbrella. Like. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, there's like 47 Secret Service members strategically placed around (laughs) them. And if you went. All wearing black suits. And if you went close to them, you'd immediately be uh, murdered. But, you know. Yeah. It looked like from afar and from the pictures, it looked like just a normal couple hanging out at the beach. So true. Now, the question is, Mike. Do you think Joe Biden went shirtless like Tom Brady? Did he go topless? Say what? No way. No way. He's He had a button-up, short-sleeve Hawaiian shirt with one of those top hats that you would see at a, like a circus uh, jamboree band. <laughs> Wrong, Mike. He went topless. What? That dude got out there, man. He got his bare chest out there in the sun. Just an old mm. man chest with his his white hamburger meat just going everywhere. Mm. It was, I mean, it was getting sexy, Mike. It was getting sexy. He was out there. That's a fact. And and the good for him. Yeah, it was, it's definitely good for him. And I, you got to think, it's good for the president to decompress. You know, like you want him out there relaxing. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I'd have the capability to do it if I was the president. Nope. You know, like that's got to be, you got to be, you got to have a strong brain to just go from the insane stuff you have to deal with to like, all right, I'm going to read a book. Like, just, I mean, just think of like, I mean, you're briefed on Ukraine. You make monumental mm-hmm. decisions that could change that war, that could bring the world to nuclear war. Jeez. You're briefed on issues of relations with China, what they're doing in the Taiwan Strait. You're mm-hmm. briefed on political dealings of every insane person in our government. You've got like 3,000 crises happening happening a day. And then you're... And UFOs. And then you're like, all right, looks good. We're going to... Uh, I think we're at a stopping point. Uh, I'm going to read a mystery novel on the beach. Wait, what? Just give me a couple of days. Like... I feel like it'd be really hard for me to stop, you know? Yeah. Like, it'd just be hard for me to decompress in that way. I would be miserable, you know? My my head would explode in, like, an hour. Like, mm-hmm. hats off to the folks that can do it, you know? Hats off to, to, yeah, to, for to sure. Joe that can do it. He seems to handle it very well. 
Um, Mike, I'm guessing you've never been to Carowinds. Have you ever been to Carowinds? I don't think so. Yeah. And Carowinds is an amusement park uh, on the, the line of South Carolina and North Carolina. Yeah, never been. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's uh, their answer to, you know, all Universal and Disney and, and Bush Gardens. Except, you know, they don't have, they don't really have, it's more Bush Gardens y because they don't really have, you know, any cool rides that aren't roller coasters, you know? I got you. Yeah. 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 So summer was going pretty well at Carowinds uh, at the beginning of summer. Uh, and then Jeremy Wagner, he came. Uh, to Carowinds. And Jerry, Jeremy Wagner, he's just a normal dude, middle-aged fella. He was with his family. And he was looking at the uh, Fury 325 roller coaster. Hmm. It's pretty big time when it comes to roller coasters. It gets up to 325 feet. Speeds hmm. of 95 miles per hour. And uh, he was uh, admiring the roller coaster, you know? And uh, he happened to see one of the support beams while he was uh, admiring the uh, roller coaster. And one of the support beams had a massive crack in it. Hmm. And I wouldn't even really say a crack. I'd say the support beam was broken in half. Because there was a video that came with it. And it was just flopping away. They were not connected. Jeez. And so he took this video and he sent it to the fire department. The fire department came in and shut that down mike they stopped it you know and uh when asked for co comment carowin said it's not uncommon to discover slight weld indications in various locations of a steel superstructure that's normal when conducting a maintenance review word i don't know mike uh, <laughs> i don't know Given my distaste for roller coasters, just looking at that roller coaster, I would have said F that. But after watching that video and seeing it rock back and forth because there wasn't a support <laughs> beam, I would definitely say F that. Like, yeah. mm -mm, Mike, I don't know about you. Are you a roller coaster guy? Not really. No. no. I'm not really, uh, no. Not really a rides guy you know, anymore. You know how pit at this late stage <laughs> in my life. <laughs> you know how I'd be if somebody made me get on that ride, and then in the middle of that ride, the roller coaster cart just flew off into oblivion, and I'd be like, "This, I knew it. This, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everybody." Like, oh man, I'd go on Alanis Morissette as an improper label of ironic. Isn't this ironic, guys? No, it's not ironicism. Okay. Uh, slow motion, you're just going. Mm. <laughs> this is ironic. Yeah. Mike, uh, great story out of British Columbia in Canada. So a couple, they decided that they were going to sell their house last year. And uh, they enlisted the uh, help of a real estate agent, Mike Rose. And Mike had been trying to sell the house for several weeks, showing it off to potential buyers while the owners were at work. Now, one of the uh, owners went back and he uh, looked at the security camera in their house. I don't know why. Maybe he just didn't trust Mike Rose. Uh, it didn't say why he looked at the security camera, but he had one and he looked at the video. On the video, while Mr. Rose was waiting for one of the potential buyers to show up to the house, Mr. Rose went to the refrigerator, took out a jug of milk, and took a massive swig directly out of the container. Girl, come on. 
Ooh. and then replace the container back into the refrigerator, Mike. Ugh. Yeah. That's a family-only move, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and the owner confronted him two days later about it. Now, to his credit, Mike, he did apologize directly to the owner. Admitted it. Said, yes, totally my fault. I mean, I don't know what else he would do, but he did. Uh, and they still, they reported him to his company. The owners did. They wanted a new uh, real estate, uh, obviously, real estate agent. And uh, the company charged Mike Rose $20,000 for unbecoming conduct. Jeez. Oh, wow. Yeah. 20000 and then $2,500 enforcement expenses, which I'm not sure mm. what that would be. But... Uh, <laughs> As I said, Mike, uh, Mr. Rose did apologize, but I love how he tried to throw an excuse in there, too. He claimed uh, that his behavior was out of character, and it was out of character because he was unusually dehydrated at the time because (laughs) of a new medication, as well as being under considerable stress. Word. I get it, Mike. I get it. He says he says uh, he opened the fridge looking for water, but then he couldn't find any. Instead, he drank milk. Mr. Rose, I get that, but that still doesn't explain why you drank it out of the jug. You drank it out of the jug because you didn't want to tell them you were getting milk from them, so you decided that you would hide it with a fast swig, thinking they'd be none the wiser, and you got pinched, man. Just admit it. You didn't think anybody would know they were there. So you went for it. I get it. I get it. Mike, are you a jug drinker? Do you go straight from the carton? Hmm. Uh, Doc G, what I do in my own home? <laughs> would your fiance be cool with it? Would she be fine with you doing that? Doc G, we don't need to talk about this on air. No, <laughs> she wouldn't. She would not be cool with it. No, that. I no, get that. Ideal. I... Yeah. I, I I don't. I don't think I'd be cool with anybody in my family doing that. No way. I'd be very no way. But, uh, Doctor, have you ever woke up in the middle of the night and just like downed a bunch of milk? Have you ever? Oh done yeah, that? it's lovely. It's or soothing. That, yeah. It's coating. <laughs> it you really know? is nice. It's very coating. Uh, now I don't. Uh, I've never been in the game of like heavy um, uh, whole milk. You know, mm. I was raised in a low percent fat uh, milk household. Mm. Two so, percent. So I'm used to two or uh, skim, like those. Skim I'm used to those two. Like once I get above two, like don't, don't get me wrong, I enjoy it now. Uh, but when I was a kid, I actually did not like whole milk because it was just it was like mm. it's too thick. What's going on here, right? Interesting. Yeah, I'd go to my. F- I would go to my friend's house. They had skim milk or two percent milk, and I would I would just assume there was some kind of religious reason. Yeah, well, you, <laughs> you'd you'd drink it, and you were just like, "What is this water? This white white water? What is this?" Because it is, it's completely yeah. different now. Like, yeah, it is. But different. I'll tell you, man, if you want the best chocolate milk, you always got to go whole chocolate milk. Like, oh yeah, like skim chocolate milk. That's bush league. Nobody wants that stuff. Yeah, you got to go full chocolate milk. That's like a meal. When you get like mm-hmm. a whole chocolate milk, good lord, yeah. that is some filling stuff right there. Right. It's thick. Nesquik, ooh. Yeah, I do love. I still, I still love making some some Nesquik, man. Oh, it's not bad. That Delicious. is that is good time. Just like just like uh, uh, Dan Cook. Yes. 
Chocolatey, chocolatey drink. The movie Dune is in my drink. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Um, Mike, let's go on here. Quick story out of NPR, out of the old National Public Radio. Quote, what my $30 hamburger reveals about fees and how companies use them to jack up prices. Hmm. Word. Mike, I read the story. And I'll tell you, I'll tell the listeners. The story doesn't really uh, reveal how companies jack up prices it's they realize there's a void of prices here let me give you the quick story stacy smith is the author of the story she was lazy and she ordered a 14 dollar burger and was too lazy to go pick it up Girl, come on. so they added 16 dollars of delivery service and tip fees to the burger so it went from 14 dollars to 30 dollars so what that reveals is how companies know there are a lot of people that are lazy pieces of that won't pick up their food and be willing to pay other people to do it. The end. Mm-hmm. That's the story, Mike. Oh, okay. So if you don't want to pay an extra $16, if you don't want to double your fees, drive and pick up your food. There's the story. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, it, they're not forcing you to do it, lady. They're not forcing you to pay $16 extra. You can just drive right over there. And I'm sure that place was like a mile and a half from where she lives. She's like, woo, I'd have to get in my car and extend my arms out to the wheel and occasionally push my foot down. That'd be too hard. I can't do all that. Too much work. I'm just going to lay here on the couch and have $16 extra. Mike, not really sure how this one got into the news, but I... Found this story hilarious. Um, it's ridiculous. So, there is a known neo-Nazi leader of a neo-Nazi group in Maine who likes to harass folks. You know, they go around and they uh, they you know do what neo-Nazis do, uh, horrible things, and. Um, mm-hmm. He uh, recently, the leader of this uh, neo-Nazi group, was recently banned from his gym in Bangor, Maine. Word. This made the news. He got thrown out of his gym. What gym do you think it is, Mike? Planet Fitness. Bingo. There we go. Lunk alarm. (laughs) A neo-Nazi decided to go to the gym... With the advertising line of judgment-free zone. <laughs> Your neo-Nazi group is based on judging people. That's all you do. And you were like, the place for me? Judgment-free zone. That's where I want to go. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? So I got to say, Mike, that's the power of Pizza Mondays. He was like, mm-hmm. I hate their judgment-free zone, but $10 a month and free pizza? I gotta go for it. They yeah, got me. Well, they got me. It's delicious. You should work out in a, a suit or whatever you work out in. And just, just, just to let you know, Mike, he got thrown out for wearing offensive clothing and, uh, in parentheses, uh, creeping on women. Hmm. Okay. Well, those are not surprised. No, not surprised. Not really. But uh, yeah, not really too much. Uh, Mike, real quick. Uh, 
do you need a reason to uh, not go to Singapore with drugs? Hmm. Yes. I, okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give the listeners one, too. Okay. This is a reason you should never, ever, ever go to Singapore with drugs. Nope. This past week, a woman, a 45-year-old woman in Singapore, was punished for being caught with 31 grams of heroin. Not that much, right? I mean... I don't know. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's enough to be considered trafficking in their, okay. in, their, uh, in their country. Um, her punishment? She was hanged. Jeez. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Not even, not even like a gas chamber or a lethal injection or something. Hanged. Classic style. Yeah. Oh. Like, like oh, she's man. in the 17th century and she's a pirate. No. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. There is no way I'm going to that country with anything remotely drugs. No. Mm. If I got prescription medications, I'm checking with everybody like, is this... That's cool. Can we? Yeah. You can check out in, every individual pill if you want. That's that's fine. I'm good with that. Like, good lord. Side note, Mike. I, I probably should have already know knew this, but I was gonna say hung, and I was like, is that correct? And it's not correct. Hmm. You always say hanged when it's actually the action of of uh, killing someone. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the past tense. But anything else, like a like a you know a frame, it's hung. Oh, okay. Yeah. Little, Hanged a frame. Yeah, there you go. Hanged it. I got that. <laughs> Hanged it, bro. That frame is dead. <laughs> it's up there. Stretched it out. It's wild. Uh, Anyways, Mike, uh, here's a little headline. A uh, little headline from NBC News. Uh, quote, manatee dies of injuries from sexual encounter with his brother at Florida Aquarium. <laughs> Let me reread that uh, for the listeners real quick. Manatee dies of injuries from sexual encounter with his brother at Florida Aquarium. Girl, come on. Only in the Florida aquariums would this happen, Doc T. Come on. <laughs> that's well, that's what I'm saying, Mike. What is NBC doing to us? Like, or wait, wouldn't this wouldn't this aquarium be in Alabama? Ah. <laughs> well, come on, like they're just hitting us, Mike. They're just they're they're targeting. They're trying to make us look bad here in Florida. Yeah. Like, first of all, you could have just said manatee dies from entanglement with other manatee at aquarium. <laughs> but no, they had to say it was a sexual encounter with his brother at. A Florida aquarium. <laughs> Come on. Come on, All right, NBC. Uh, is there any video of this? <laughs> I hope not. Jeez. You don't, you don't know. Yeah, also, come on. Come on. The scientists don't know what the manatee's motivations were. Maybe he's not that smart. Maybe he was like, I got yeah. to save the species. I don't know mm -hmm. if it's going to work, but I'm going to try to have sex with my brother. See if that works. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we can get another manatee out of it. I don't know. Right? Uh, really jumping to a lot of conclusions here. I'm just saying. You got to. NBC did. Yeah. Ridiculous. Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back 
we are going to hear from none other than our guest, The Criticals, right here. This is their fantastic song, Belmont, on the Doc G Show. The Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, what do the listeners need to do? Well, Doc G, if the listeners feel like the show is a positive way to waste their time, they should please subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever they get their podcasts. It's a cost-effective way to support the show. And if the listeners are feeling extra generous... Mm -hmm. They should please leave us a five-star review. We love them. We also love comments, so leave a comment. Amen. Mike, that is true. Yes. Yes. Yes, Mike. We've had a couple of uh, new subscribers. Thank you to the new subscribers. We appreciate Thank you. it. Thank you. We always can use more uh, subscribers, so if you haven't subscribed and you're just one of those people that comes in every now and then, and you're like, you know what? 
Maybe maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. You should. That's you should. what you should. You should mm-hmm. do it. It'll make yeah. your life better. How can I guarantee that? I can't. Nope. But I'm saying it'll make your life better. Just trust it me. Will. Huh? Mm-hmm. It'll make my life better. And indirectly, that will make the show better. And that will make your life better. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Regardless, Mike, we need to thank the listeners that regularly listen to the show. Those would be the five-star listeners. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Jittaway, Italy, Richardson, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Biloxi, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, Tom's River, New Jersey, Olive Branch, Mississippi, Asheville, North Carolina, Los Angeles, California, Spartanburg, South Carolina, Athens, Georgia, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Chicago, Illinois, <gasps> and Boynton, Virginia. Shout there out. we go, Mike. Nice. There we go. Good times. Thanks for all the listens. My goodness. What a list, Mike. Yeah, great list. What a list. We've been building it. We've got several regulars, and I want to thank all of them. Mike, we've got some good semi-regulars. The four stars. The four stars. Are you ready? Here we go. Yes. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out. Columbus, Ohio. They come in. They sporadically come in, Mike. The old home of the Buckeyes. You know, they're like, you know what? Let's bombard the Doc G show with listens this week. And all of a mm-hmm. sudden, their listens will just skyrocket. And you know what? Try to make that a weekly occurrence, Columbus. Try to make that a weekly one. Mm-hmm. Not a semi-weekly, but a weekly. Every mm-hmm. week. Regardless, shout out to Irmo, South Carolina. Used to paddleboard a lot in Irmo, Mike. It's oh. right right beside Columbia. It's it, oh, okay. you, you could say it's Columbia, essentially. But... Uh, that's where uh, that's where the lake is. If you go to Lake Murray in uh, in South Carolina, very nice. Uh, Ooh, Weaverville, wow. North Carolina. Shout out to those guys, Weaverville. Shout out to San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio. They've been on there for a couple weeks, Mike. Sweet. San Antonio's getting close. Wimbenyama cool. and Popovich have been listening, and we appreciate both of them. Thank listening. you guys. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Grenada Hills. California, shout out to Grenada Hills there. This is one I might have to, even though they're not regulars, Mike, I might have to look this one up just because it's got a very unique name. Midlothian, Virginia. Say what? Mm. I don't know where Midlothian is, and I'm pretty uh, well-versed in my home state, Mike, and I have not heard of Midlothian. I don't don't know that one. Um, shout out to Dunlap, Tennessee. Dunlap. Shout out to Clarksville, Maryland. Shout out to Livermore, California. Ooh. Shout out to Hernando, Mississippi. Yes. Ooh. Always gotta gotta represent for the M I S S I S S I P P I. Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, Mike. Shout out. Ooh. That's a groundhog that's listening. Huh? I'm uh, very happy to have him listen. What is that? Kunsatani? Puxatani. Puxatani. Puxatani, you know, Puxatani Phil. That's the groundhog okay. for Groundhog's Day that he pulls out in his little, you know, oh, sees the shadow. Okay. Yes, yes. Gotcha. Um, let's see. Uh, Richard's, uh, oh, whoops, sorry. Got got off. I was on my regulars there. Um, Parsons, West Virginia. Parsons. Hmm. Hmm. Monterey, California. And lastly, Reno, Nevada, Mike. There we go. Reno. Hey, I'm going to be there this weekend. Yeah, well, 
little be in jackpot. Little it's oh, little stand up, yeah. little stand up again, huh? Actually, no, it's not even near <laughs> jackpot. It's like no, four it's, hours away. I took a look. Yeah, I took a look. You know, but you know, Never it's mind. a it's a different part of the state. We'll go ahead and say that. So there you go. Uh, the comic opening for me is from Reno. So no, fine. wait, that's right. This is the one we already brought up on the show. It's finally here. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah. exciting. All right. You're gonna have to let us know how uh, jackpot is, Mike. Yeah, Look. six and a half hours away. Seven hours away. Middle of uh, almost so, on the Idaho border. So are you just so. are you just road tripping up there? You're just uh, driving? Yeah, I'm gonna throw on some audiobooks. I tried. I looked at flights. I could fly to Salt Lake City and drive three hours. That's not gonna work. Um, not worth it. No. And then, uh, or I could I could fly into the Idaho border uh, for eight hundred dollars. Oh, trip. good lord. <laughs> I'm guessing that does not make the stand-up worth it, Mike. Nope. Uh, no, it does not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Put me into the negative. Well, uh, listeners that are anywhere close to Jackpot, Reno, if you want to drive, the listeners in Reno, if you want to drive to listen to, to Mike Come do stand-up, it'll be worth it. It will be worth yeah, the drive. Be. Um, Mike, uh, before we go to break here, I got a couple of stories that I want to, and by the way, thank you, listeners, all listeners. We appreciate it. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank um, you. Mike, this is an interesting one real quick that I wanted to get to. A little snafu here by the police. Hmm. A little snafu by the Frisco, Texas police. We get some Frisco listens every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, Frisco. This past week, the police saw, they were uh, monitoring things there in the old uh, Frisco area, and they saw an out-of-state Dodge Charger leaving a hotel. Word. And uh, there had been uh, recent burglaries and vehicle theft in the area, so the uh, police officer said, you know what? We're going to run the license plates. We're going to see what's going on here. And guess what? They came back stolen. Oh. Yeah. So... They had to do what they call a high-risk traffic stop. They pulled the car over. They then used the intercom to shout commands at the car. The first commands, everyone put their hands outside. Do it now. That was the command. Jeez. Uh, Now, the car started to empty as they commanded, and it was uh, readily apparent that it was full of a family. And there were a couple of kids in the back. Mm. One of the officers you hear in this video, one of the officers say, if you reach in that car, you may get shot. So be careful. Do not reach in the car. You know what? Wow. Gotta be honest, Mike. If I was one of those kids, I would have already (laughs) dance. uh, 100%. (laughs) Now... After they have the family out of the car for about 10 minutes, Mike, on the body cam footage, you hear one of the cops say to the other, are, are you serious? This this isn't a stolen vehicle? What? And it wasn't, Mike. You hear the officer who pulled the car over say to the family, uh, so it looks like uh, I made a mistake. We're so sorry. It happens. It happens. We're all human, and we make mistakes. Now, Mike, what do you think the mistake was? How do you think they they got a stolen vehicle that wasn't stolen? The one was an I, and the zero was an O on the license plate. 
That's pretty good thinking. I like that. <laughs> but I've thought about this because I want to confuse cops in the future with a weird license plate. I think good. I've about this. Nice. Anyways. No, we haven't talked about that, but that's good. <laughs> it's Throw a joke. them off. Mike, <laughs> it's even dumber than that. Much dumber. The out-of-state tags were Arkansas. They entered them as Arizona. Oh. Uh, classic. A state. <laughs> A state, Mike. You got to give it to them. They almost got it. I mean, they got it down to A. And are we supposed to expect them after they whittle it down to four to get the exact right one every single time? Well, it's A-R. I mean, then, uh, I mean, you got Alaska, Alabama, Arkansas, Arizona. Go, uh, <laughs> it's impossible to get that thing right every single time. I also like, uh, Mike, if you notice, they didn't mention to the family what they did as far as the mistake. Nope. They just said there was a mistake. Hmm. They didn't want to let the family know how stupid they were. That's a fact. They weren't like, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't really know states. So that's our problem. We didn't realize Arkansas, different from Arizona. Crazy, right? <laughs> Anyways, so we, we're thinking more uh, wild boars, less uh, cacti. Okay, mm-hmm. got it. We'll write that down. <laughs> Check. Check. little memorization. Sad, Mike. Sad. Those yeah. that, that family is never going to be the same. I wouldn't be. No. I'd break out into a panic attack every time I saw a cop car after that. I got pulled mm-hmm. over on my bike just a couple of days ago, Mike. Really? Yeah. Cops By pulled a cop car? Yeah, cops told me I didn't have uh, lights. I needed lights on my, my because it was nighttime, and I didn't have lights uh. on my bike. Apparently, I was looking too shady, you know, because I do it mm. all the time, and cops go by me all the time, but this time they were like, you know what? This guy's up to no good. That's a fact. We're going to bust this. Mm-hmm. And they did. We chatted for a while. It became, you know, it, it it became much less hostile. It started out hostile, and I was like, you know what? I'm not looking to get shot. Nope. Let's not try. Push the bike down. And I said, yeah, <laughs> no, no. I tried. I tried to de-escalate as much as possible, Mike. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tried to bring Hands this down. In the air. <laughs> I don't want anything, any trouble here. Anyways, Mike, yeah. we are gonna take a break. We are gonna be right back with none other. Then the criticals right here on the Doc G Show. The Doc G Show. Because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. This is 95.5 Back to the show, everybody. We are very excited to be joined by Parker and Cole, better known as The Criticals. They've uh, got a new EP out, just released, called Front Door Confrontations. Fellas, how's it going? Howdy. All right, all right. 
Doing good, doing good. So let's let's. Uh, I, I always like to take the listeners back. Let's take them back. Uh, you haven't you haven't had a band for a super. The Criticals have been a band for about five years, and you've got a lot done in that five years. But you both are sort of Nashville dudes. You've been doing music since middle school, and I actually heard you guys met up at music camp. I wanted to, I wanted to yep, ask. That's right. Do you remember? Do you remember the the moment you guys met each other? Was it one of those like movie moments where at first you didn't like each other, but then one dude said something funny and you were like, "Okay, I can I can trust this dude now." <laughs> or was it just like a normal interaction? I don't I really don't and I've thought about this actually cuz I've been asked this question before and I I can't for the life of me remember the specific moment that we actually met Um, because we were both playing in different bands at that music camp and then we went back to the same one the next year Mm -hmm. and that's when I remember uh, that's when I remember being around Cole a lot more Mm. and then probably a year after that we played on a studio project together uh, for another buddy of ours and then after that I was playing in his band and he was starting to play with me and it was up from there there you go. There you go. So I'm, I'm guessing, Cole, you're on the, the same wavelength as far as not remembering that first, yeah. that first time. I was uh, I was thinking back as hard as I could, and honestly, I was hoping for a movie moment like you were saying, <laughs> but honestly, I think it was just a bunch of dorky little tweens, you know, in a cafeteria probably eating a ham sandwich and looking at each other and be like, hey. <laughs> Sounds about right. Know, yeah. 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 Well, well, now, Parker, I heard you started on drums back in the day, and I heard you got a drum set for Christmas. Now, I was wondering, was that a request, or did somebody just get you that drum set randomly? No, that was uh, that was months and months of begging my parents. That was all I, all <laughs> I wanted for Christmas. I didn't care how good it was. I didn't know anything about drums. I just, uh, yeah, I just, I had wanted to be a drummer and was kind of obsessed with, you know, big drum kits and, and cymbals and rock music and how those, all those hair metal videos looked. And then my dad had a bunch of like DVDs with all the music videos from a band on them. Nice. And he had like, he had Dokken and Journey, Rat, Miley Crew. And those kits are just so insane. Yeah. You know, they're so ridiculous. And, and, um, uh, all the antics and stuff. And I just was obsessed with it. Um, and obviously I loved music as well, but you know, I never thought that I would be playing music. I just kind of wanted a drum kit just to have one. Uh, and then as soon as I got one, I just, I fell in love with it. And yeah, I was a drummer for a long time. Most, mostly, you know, all my teenage years. And then, uh, before I started like picking up guitar and writing songs and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, drums is definitely my, my first love. No, I, I was about to say, I was like, who would just randomly get an 11 year old a drum set? That seems like a risky, a risky get. Yeah. But no, it makes more yeah. sense for the, the, the request. So I'm guessing was, was Tommy Lee the, the biggest inspiration then since you were talking about all the, the, the uh, 80s? Honestly, and probably, probably, I mean, just from what I remember of who, like, I wanted, who I liked watching the most. Uh, was probably Steve Smith from Journey, and then um, what is it, Mix Brown from Dawkins. I like it. I like Those it. Those were my my two guys. Journey had the the real simple fills, man. But but 
big gravitas coming into those like courses and coming off of them. You just oh yeah, man. Steve Smith is a monster. And and, and the great part about that is is uh, when you're learning, not not nearly as hard as something like trying to learn a a Neil Pert uh phil or a stuart copeland that you're like i got no idea i don't know what this is i got nothing yeah and that's interesting because like i mean like you just said it was cool because a lot of those songs you know not necessarily the bills or whatnot but a lot of those songs were you know super super easy to Mm -hmm. learn Mm -hmm. uh, and to start out on they're all just kind of you know all kind of the same beat and then uh so yeah i was I was lucky that I kind of, I could also sort of watch those videos. This was like right before YouTube tutorials were a thing. So yeah. I could just watch those music videos and go, okay, he's doing this. He's doing that. Let me just try that. Nice. Nice. Well, Cole, uh, I heard your grandma gave you a guitar when you were eight. Uh, yeah. Now, was that, crazy. was that the same as, as Parker? Had you been asking for one or was she just like, here's a guitar? No, my grandpa played guitar and was like doing like sock hops in the early 60s in Detroit and then ended up having to move to a small town in Tennessee and live the southern life. Um, But he always had a guitar growing up and I was always obsessed with it. Like I would always like that was me and his like relationship to play guitar and I would just like listen. Um, And I always mentioned that I wanted to play guitar, but I, I, I never... I don't know if it was like super serious. It was just like a like looking up to Joe. I was like, ah, oh, that you know, yeah. I would love to learn how to do that one day. But the story is pretty interesting. Um, my grandmother and grandfather they lived in off of Highway 64 um, in a small town in Southern Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And they every morning they go to this little. It's more or less like a little country bodega or something. Mm-hmm. It's like a little country store that sells gas and you know homemade yeah. cookies and fried chicken and. You've been to the type of place, especially mm-hmm. probably in Jacksonville, too. Oh, yeah. Um, but th- she showed up one morning, and there's a guitar behind the counter, and she was like, why is there a guitar there? And the, the owner of the store, Richie, said, well, this guy just came in, like, zooted, and it was asking for $10 in gas, and all he had to barter for it was the guitar. <laughs> so I obviously did it. And she was like, well, what would you take for it? And he was like, $10. <laughs> she was like, okay, handed him 10 bucks, and there he came back home, and that was my guitar. What what an honest gas station attendant! I would have been like, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need like 25 at least for this guitar now. I mean, I'm gonna get a little upsell on it. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember what brand it was? Uh, honestly, I don't. It's it's. I'm actually at my parents' house right now having lunch with them, so I, I may go down there and see it. I remember it had an R on it, and it was a classic guitar mm. that had it's like got the the worst. <laughs> playability you've ever seen like honestly it was a ten dollar guitar but <laughs> baseball bat neck and I, I remember when i was like in sixth or seventh grade i had my first like real guitar was a bc rich warlock i don't nice. know if you know what those oh look yeah like. the super 80s. pointy it was blood red. oh yeah yeah man i was a, like the same for parker i had the baseball bat grandma guitar and i played it for like a year or something and i was like I need a new one. I went to Nashville Used Music here, and I saw that pointy <laughs> red slender. I, if you've never seen him on the show, like you should Google BC Rich Warlock just to get a oh, yeah. idea of what this was. But anyway, no, I don't remember what the brand was. I, I'm going to take a look. But I ended up, I remember what I was going to say. I ended up gold leafing it. <laughs> like I took all the finish off and put gold leaf that I got from Michael's Fancy. all over it. So it's, 
It's so hideous. <laughs> but I'm gonna go check it out after this interview. I was I was about to say I I would be really amazed, uh, you know, even in that realm around Nashville, if there was somebody sort of naive enough to like sell a really nice guitar for ten dollars, you know, it, it, it would it would take a, a real uh, I don't know, just naive gas station attendant to be have like a 40, 45 Martin and just be like, yeah, hey, yeah, this looks good. There you go. Try that out. There, there it is. <laughs> no, you can feel the cheapness. It's definitely like probably made of cardboard, to be honest <laughs> with you, or particle board or something. It's it's very, I'll send you a picture after this interview. Well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm it's literally in the basement right now. <laughs> at least, at least it stood up. At least it stood up all that time. So, you know, oh, you I go. did the job. Yeah. Yeah, what were you? You mentioned what were the inspirations for you on guitar when you started? Ah, uh, man, like my I grew up. My dad had Ritual de la Habitual, the James Addiction record. Yeah, and he would play it religiously in his truck. And like, I was a huge Chili Peppers fan. Nice. I was a huge Zeppelin fan. Like, I went to. I had to wear a uniform for like four years when I when I was a little kid. I went to like a little tiny. Montessori school mm. um, and I remember my first t-shirts because I always had to wear collared shirts to go to yeah. school I remember my first t-shirts I had a Zeppelin shirt and third grade I had a Red Hot Chili Pepper shirt and nice. a Nirvana shirt those were my first like three loves and Audio Slave too but you couldn't really find Audio Slave shirts in that time they didn't sell them at the Hot Topic man I bet I bet, I bet the, the teachers of that school were like who is this kid <laughs> yeah man I was I would get off school and I would have to stand after school and I would just immediately take my uniform. I'd bring my, those shirts and my book bag and I would just put them on <laughs> like immediately afterwards. Soon as it ejects off. <laughs> well, now I, I think, I think Parker mentioned Parker, were you guys in bands before the criticals? Like, uh, before that time? Yeah. Um, lots, honestly, I, I was this kind of, uh, I was just playing with honestly everyone and anyone that I could from probably 14 to 17. Um, so, I mean, I was playing and I played in a thrash metal band for a little bit. I played in uh, one of Cole's bands or Cole's first band. It was more, uh, more kind of pop. Mm -hmm. um, and then, man, I mean, I, I had a band of my own for a little bit when I started playing uh playing guitar a little bit more and uh called everson and then i had a solo thing for a little while and yeah man i mean we probably we had probably played i mean independently not necessarily all of them together but i mean independently between the two of us we had probably played with 15 20 max you know just mm -hmm. maybe one gig only or maybe we were in them for like a year um, yeah, I was in an ACDC tribute band when I was like 12. Nice. Uh, yeah, just all <laughs> over the place. About that. Uh, dope. <laughs> yeah, just all over the place, just random stuff, man. And uh, but it was cool because then, like, I feel like we were also playing. At least for me, like, I was kind of, I was kind of a youngster around the the group. I seemingly was always like two or three years younger than everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like. Obviously, Cole is, you know, we're only six months apart, but he was really the only one that was, like, super close to my age. So, I was always playing with kids that were a lot better than me, mm -hmm. and, um, and it, it was honestly, like, 
it was always a little nerve wracking, but I kind of liked it because then I like I just drummed for six hours a day because I didn't want to suck, you know, with <laughs> yeah. everybody that I was playing with. And uh, it's so funny. They felt so old at the time, but they were like they were like freshmen in high school. It's uh, <laughs> it's amazing no, it how cool age changes. Yeah, man. And it's like every single year during those times, especially when you're playing a band and going to school and like you know so many different things going on in your life it, it just feels like every single year is like 10 mm-hmm. um but it was really cool man like especially the older i get the more we start touring and and getting to you know play and play with and see so many other bands um you know that we share bills with or that you know we go see when we're out on the road or stumble upon or listen to their music whatever it's so like crazy how insanely talented the kids that we grew up with here are yeah um and were some of them unfortunately have stopped playing music or you know they're on to to different things but it was just so it was so electric like growing up here during that time um and growing up in you know south nashville and but even nashville proper uh i mean there was like there was like 75 to 100 bands i mean no joke going on and everybody kind of like you'd leave this band and then you go play with this band or you'd be sharing a bill so you're like ah, i may as well just jump on this bill you know and it it was so uh it was so cool it was just like a huge huge community and um so i think that kind of that kind of shaped our way that we think about you know band dynamics and mm-hmm. and putting on shows and stuff like that because we just grew up in such a healthy environment of, of you know, uh, of that kind of stuff, if that makes any sense. It's really cool, and I've I come to appreciate it a lot more than, you know, every year that I get older and realize how, how special it was. Yeah. There's also, a, I think the thing to mention is, like, just, like, the mentors that were readily available here. There's so many legacy acts or people that have been a part of legacy acts that just still exist here. I mean, one of the substitute teachers at our high school was a one-hit wonder from the 70s who was, like, best friends with Stevie Nicks. And he was just, like, a homie. <laughs> you know, like, like that's crazy. But, but having access to people that have done it very successfully and done it for a long time because this is a hard life like i know you hear it all the time but it's it's a tough one but like having the the healthy guidance has definitely been i think key for longevity for us do do you remember the the one hit wonder song yeah it was called magnet and steel by walter egan i have i have heard magnet and steel yes nice so he's a substitute teacher huh yeah walter is amazing guy and honestly a big part of our story there it he is like a he was like a little sage wizard for us when we were kids and Sh- still now honestly you still see him on from time to time shout out to walter there it is well i mean shout out to walter t- talking about that scene and I- i've heard you talk about this before uh you know i mean most people think about nashville they think about the the sort of uh broadway and then even when they're not thinking broadway they're thinking you know the the bigger clubs the the exit ends and things like that um it, it was house venues for you guys it was meal ticket dad's garage mouth hole all these like actual houses the uh, like that that i, I don't know do, it, 
did you ever hear like going around now talking to other bands have you ever heard of this like because like i don't really the only other place that i've heard this happen is is uh southern california like i i heard this was yeah. sort of the deal in 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 la but have you heard this anywhere else around the country from other uh artists yeah yeah, there used to be something called DIY tour postings on Facebook, and it was a Facebook group of about 30,000 people. Now, because there was a fire in California where there was a warehouse where they had a DIY venue and there was like 20 people living there, mm -hmm. and a fire happened and a bunch of people died, so yeah. almost overnight, like there was probably 20 DIY venues in Nashville that we knew about, so there's probably double that that existed. Mm. Um, and then overnight, fire marshal showed up on every single one of their doorsteps and shut everything down. Like it was literally like a, a scene was so alive. And then all of a sudden wow. one day they're gone. Um, but I, it happened that same way. I remember, I remember during that time being in that Facebook group. Cause yeah. like, that was a great way to find fans. Like if you yeah. wanted to play a show in Chattanooga, you go, where, where are the Chattanooga bands? And everybody would get that notification. It was just like a huge weird like beginning of online community yeah um but yeah no you could you could book shows in almost every major or minor city in the u.s like there was like one of those venues all you just needed to do was get tapped into it nice well i mean i mean this is this is great basically the the topic of the the most recent single to a little bit right as far as belmont as far as that idea of playing those shows and whatnot am i right yeah no. Yeah, I mean that's literally what the whole thing is about. I, I, you know, wrote that song long, long, long time ago, and uh, it was it was during during all of that time in our lives, and uh, just so many, you know, so many different things going on, and uh, it was just a super magical time, kind of like Cole was just talking about. That was that was written in the in the midst of all that so it's you know we uh we didn't play that song or even really listen to it for years and and then all of a sudden um all of a sudden we brought it back to life got a little magic i like it i like it well now uh speaking of nashville uh, i've got an important topic that i like to cover with a lot of artists from nashville um food i'm a big fan and so I, I got, a, got a couple questions before we get back to music real quick. I noticed, I don't know if you guys noticed this, you guys have an In-N-Out burger coming to Nashville. Have you heard that? I saw I saw about it. Yes. It could be there like by 2025. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Kind Are of, you okay? I think it's cool. I just think it's going to be kind of a bummer. It's, it feels so good to get on the West Coast, and that's like a rite of passage. I feel that's like you get off the airplane yeah. through there for the three days like I want an In-N-Out burger but also I mean the line is going to be catastrophic yeah for yeah. the first I mean I, I think eternally they're already bad on the west coast let alone in Nashville I think it's the only one east of Texas right yeah oh yeah east east of the Mississippi yeah yeah it's it's sort of like Hattie B's uh you know shipping out and being at like Las Vegas and other places you're like ah can I have hot chicken in Las Vegas does that is that allowed? I don't know if that counts. Like, it just seems weird. <laughs> it yeah. is weird, man. And it's weird how seemingly quick it all happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, now, still on food, since you guys are originals of Nashville, if I'm coming to Nashville and I call you up and I say, fellas, I'm coming to Nashville, give me the local yokel spot. 
the spot that hasn't been overran by tourists. If those still exist, is there one of those that I could go to that would be the the food spot to go? Okay, let's do a bar, okay. a restaurant, and a and a like a diner or drive-in or dive. I love it. Thing. I love it. What do we got? We were just bar from bar from me part. We were just at Wilburn Street Tavern two nights ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a dope spot. Honestly, don't want to give out our spots because the Bachelorette, once a spot's cool, like we got about T-minus one year before the Bachelorette starts showing up. That's true. But Wilburn Street Tavern still feels really good. They have a great pool table. Drinks are still pretty affordable. They pour heavy, and they have a great smoking patio. Love it. Love it. Parker, what do you got on bar? Yeah, Nashville is definitely not short on cool bars, which which is good. Hopefully it stays that way. Um... I think, I mean, bar and restaurant, I'll hit two with one stone. I mean, Dino's is just such a classic. Nice. Dino's. And I know that's a fairly popular place. Dino's pretty dope. It doesn't feel that way when you're there, you Mm. know? They didn't lose their soul. Dino's is pretty dope. I like it. No, I mean, our homies still, our manager's there, and the food is always great. The drinks are cheap. It's It's definitely changed a lot. The Beebs showed up at Dino's like three years ago, and then Dua Lipa. It's become kind of like, I think it's rated like the number one dive bar in America. Wow. Or something like that. It's crazy. Jeez. Jeez. All right. Well, what's our uh, what's our restaurant choice? Restaurant Ooh. choice? Like, if you have a little money in your pocket, if you can go to City House or Lou, those, they're world class like unbelievable food there's a lot of farm to table restaurants in Nashville that popped up in the last like five to seven years but oh, yeah, yeah those are great choices it's I honestly f- hard to keep up with there's so many new ones well I was about to say I mean I, I always say this on the the show but like I feel like Nashville it's it's almost just as hard to become a good restaurant as it is a good musician as far as well known in the the city it's just yeah. so same cutthroat sort of environment or at least you know as far as getting out there getting known also nashville man like if you look on TripAdvisor, like it is all tourist like it, it is completely I, I i can't use that word it's completely not what locals go to like city house i think is one of the best restaurants in nashville and i think it's like 180 or 200 on TripAdvisor mm. because the locals aren't yelping it they're trying to keep it <laughs> under wraps nobody wants people to know about it because it's already crowded as it is <laughs> that you makes know? sense i mean every time i go to nashville <clears throat> it gets uh more crowded every single time and more ridiculous so i i can i can definitely sympathize uh well now that i feel better on food now that i feel good let's go back to music parker you left nashville you went to college originally and i, I heard it was a california um now was that yeah it was in it was in uh hollywood at uh musicians institute oh nice well now so was that yeah so i'm I'm guessing then it wasn't like you weren't under the guise of i'm gonna become a musician while i while i'm at college it was i'm going to college to be a musician yeah and i kind of as far as like future and career and stuff i mean i obviously knew what i wanted to do in music but i i didn't one of the reasons that I wanted to leave Nashville for, for college is, you know, I had one or two friends that were doing some cool stuff that I, I wanted to felt like I should be around them in, in LA. And I also just wanted to get out of town, but that, you know, that five, six years of growing up 
here where it was just go, 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 go. Mm -hmm. Like not a week where I wasn't at a show or like rehearsing or playing a show. It was just five years of that, six years of that. It, it kind of just ended with the house show stuff, mm -hmm. you know, like Cole was talking about a minute ago. And, and it was kind of a tough pill to swallow, you know, so I just, I felt like I needed to just get out and kind of not really start over, but just be somewhere else for a little bit and see if, if I liked it better. Um, but of course I didn't and Nashville came calling again and seemed like there was some cool stuff starting to come on, come back up at home. So I did a year and a half out there, loved my time out there. But while I was there, I, I didn't really know. I was kind of confused about like what my future was going to be, you know, and I was leaving it very open-ended and I just wanted to learn as much as I could. Um, and I was getting really, really into recording and audio engineering at that time as well. Um, but yeah, I just decided to move back after a year and a half and then pretty much started the criticals like on the plane ride home, <laughs> at least the idea for it, you know, it was like, I definitely want to go back with some sort of plan if I'm going to go back. And, uh, yeah, just like starting a rock band was, was like all I could think about, you know? Yeah. Well, what, uh, when, I mean, I heard you had the name that was like, you know, it was like a critical piece, not no pun intended, but it came there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then you you got that critical piece there. Uh, when was it when you come back to Nashville uh, that you you grab your Rolodex and and find uh, Cole's number and call him up? When when did that happen? We played. I got back in uh, September, right before my birthday in 2017, and we played our first show in October of 2017 um it was mostly covers cole wasn't in the band until january mm -hmm. of 2018 so we did uh we did two or three shows um in that winter of uh late fall and winter i think we actually did four shows mm -hmm. and i was kind of just i mean i was just getting my feet wet you know we had like three originals yeah um that weren't even that good so it was like we were mostly just kind of getting i was just trying to figure out what the we're actually doing you know um when we first started out and then i'd say we probably started we played a fair amount of shows during 2018 um but i was still for the most part writing everything and then and then i would say like late 2018 is where we kind of found our groove i feel like um and wanted to wanted to kind of combine forces and, and put a brick on the pedal a little bit more you know nice well, Cole, when you first came in and you started, like once you actually started that writing process with Parker, was it a, it was an easy transition? Uh, I'm assuming yeah, it was. It was. Easy <laughs> yeah, it always just felt natural. I mean, so originally, like I was in another band that kind of started to die right around the time that I got the call mm -hmm. for the Criticals, um, and the drummer of the old band was playing and. Parker's solo project before he left and then he was drumming for the Criticals at that time and like there was there was Briston Maroney was actually the guitar player before me I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. with that name but mm -hmm. he was the guitar player and then something happened and it was like it was like a week before the the show that I got asked to play and it was at the mouth hole and it was so dope man like I learned the songs I came in it was a good group of dudes and I was like this is or excuse my language and we played the show and it was like, 
I had come from a, a band that had lost a little bit of its soul in mm-hmm. Nashville. When you get when you hit the eighteen nineteen mark, there's so much commercial music in Nashville. It's very similar to LA, mm-hmm. um, and those house shows start kind of dwindling. And like you you get around these mentors where they kind of force you into thinking that the industry has to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had been kind of left out of that world for a little while. I had been kind of chasing this weird thing where I I always assumed that I could do it for a year or two and then actually step back, have enough success, have enough money where I could do what I actually wanted to. Mm-hmm. I was just going to ride the, the thing out. Yeah. But all of a sudden I got asked to play this cool show at the Mouthful, which I had always attended house shows and been stoked about, but I had never played in like a DIY-ish band. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden I was like, what, what am I, what, what, what have I been doing? Like, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. You show up and there's, you know, it's magical, man. Everybody had a 40 in their hand. Like you just smoke inside. There's trash piled all over the place. And it was amazing. We just kind of started off to the races and played a bunch of church gyms and other DIY stuff with a lot of cool bands. And then it kind of happened very naturally. It was a, a, it was a natural progression where we, I don't even, I think Park, maybe you had me down to record some songs or something like Lake Guitar on some tracks and then we just started, ended up writing. I don't even remember how yeah. it happened naturally. Nice. I don't know if it was like, hey man, let's write a song. I think it just occurred. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's that's the that's the best way for it to occur. Doesn't, doesn't feel yeah. forced. It gets done. Um, well, now, the first EP, uh, Mimosa Hygiene there, comes out 2019 November things are going good uh and then like everybody else uh three and a half months later you're in a pandemic but uh sour, yeah. sour grapes came out in October 2020 so it doesn't seem like it slowed you guys down as far as writing uh were you one of those one of those groups that like as soon as it happened we're just like all right all we've got is writing let's go ahead and gear up and get as much done as possible yeah kind of we were still we were doing uh we were doing a ton of like um like online uh uh, virtual we Mm -hmm. were doing a ton of virtual shows so we would like set up full band in our little apartment that we lived in at the time and uh mic everybody up and we'd go live on instagram or live on facebook or nice you know we would uh do these like wow. Zoom company party things? They would be like the criticals are they're gonna play today, and sometimes it'd be acoustic, sometimes it would literally be full band like in front of a laptop, and so that like kind of felt like it a little bit. We at least got to play and make noise together. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that was the closest to shows that we could, you know, that we could get for for that year. But we were writing like crazy during that year. Um, I mean. Even when Mimosa came out, we already had, I think we had already written Kansas City and, and maybe 1952. We were already one step ahead gearing up. We knew that we definitely wanted to put something out in 2020 again. Um, but yeah, man, we, a lot of music videos, a um, lot of those live shows, a ton of those virtual live shows. We probably did 30 or 40 of those that year. And, uh, you know, just trying to keep ourselves busy. Yeah. Yeah, well, now, on, on the first EP, you have uh, uh, Treat You Better. It's, it's the most popular song, in, 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 you know, in terms of streams. Uh, I regularly tell guests on the show, if I were a musician, I would obsess over numbers. 
That's what I would do. I would just mm-hmm. sit there and look at them and go, why is this? What is, what, why do people listen to this one and not this one? And I spent all the time on this one. And it, do yeah. you get why Treat You Better is your most popular song? Like, does it make sense as far as the way you feel about your songs? Or do you just let it happen and say, all right, well, they like that, whatever. Let's move on to the next one. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think day, that you like, can really control it. Yeah, you can't control it. And it's also like, I mean, something that has been really awesome for us, like pretty much as soon as we start touring is everybody kind of sings all the words to, to the songs that we have out. I mean, some of our least streamed songs, we get just as many people singing and dancing along and singing every word as Treat You Better, like nice. truthfully. Um, so it's it's really cool in that way. Um, but yeah, I think like, certain songs just hit a little stride on the internet or, right. you know, get some good radio push or whatever. And it's, you know, that's kind of just all subjective at the end of the day. I mean, it's cool when it happens, you hope that it happens for every song you put out, but you know, it's, uh, it's kind of out of your control, you know? Yeah. What? I think now too, it's like the world of singles is starting to die where TikTok is taking it over. And if there's a 15 second blip mm-hmm. on that song, that is, you know, somebody's going to make a video that goes viral, then all of a sudden that becomes your most popular song. Like Pine Grove, that's happening right now for them. Like they put that the song that's blowing up right now, like six years ago or something. Yeah. Like it was kind of, de- I bet if you talked to them six months ago, you're like, oh, that song, I thought about that song a long time. I loved it, but like it didn't really, I didn't know it would do that in six months. So I think when you put out music now, it's just, it's, the intention is just, it's for the world and whatever happens, happens. It, I don't know if there's as much control in the music industry as there used to be. It it is wild because we've had a couple of we've had a couple of artists on the show where you know they're they're old artists like they've been around for 15 20 years and all of a sudden uh, one of their songs just gets picked up on on TikTok for a video trend and they look back at their uh, you know they look back at their streams and all of a sudden they they're getting like you know 5 million streams a day on that one song they're like what the is happening why is and like a couple of them don't even know cuz you know they're not even on TikTok so they're just like <laughs> and they have to call up their manager and they're like why are people listening to this song what's going on what happened and it's like you said it's yeah. not it's not the single it's it's some you know random song that uh, that they recorded, you know, middle of middle of the the album. So one of our uh, one of our bass players um, during 2020, during the pandemic time, he was in a band that toured internationally and were doing very well. And like he was the youngest guy in the band, they just kind of closed up shop and said, "All right, we're kind of done." And mm-hmm. five years went by, man, and they just had a number one single that came out. I think six years ago. I think it was like 2015 or 2016. Jeez. Like their band's called Beach Weather. And it's crazy. They were all they were all done, and now they're got back to a major label, and they're get they have a bus now, and like over like within a year, like all of a sudden they're back on. It's amazing. It is. It it's is. really cool that so many so many artists are getting rejuvenated through it. Well, I think it, it's just it's so it's so much content to work through. That's the thing is just for I mean, even for all the people that are out there, so many people making music, it takes some time for people to find gems and then show it to everybody else and say, hey, listen to this. This is a good one. And people go, yeah, that is a good one. I really like that. Um, yeah. 
But uh, now I've I've heard uh, I've heard Cole. I've heard you say uh, you were talking about writing songs, and you said sometimes you guys will write a song and it'll be a great song, but you'll say that's not a critical song. What what what's yeah. what's the criteria for that? What you know what what cuts off that you go? Nah, it doesn't work. That's not a that's not a critical song. You know, it's difficult because me and Parker listen to so much music and we worked on, I mean, we talked about it earlier. We played in so many different types of bands and worked on so many different types of music that Mm -hmm. it's, I think what comes out of you naturally, you can't ever inhibit or inhibit, I can't think of the word, inhibit or stop. You can't stop that flow from coming out of you. And sometimes we we write songs that don't make sense on a project, but we always keep them for another time. It's like, Belmont, our front door confrontations, the the last song in the title track of the CP, we wrote that in 2020, mm-hmm. and it just didn't feel right for Sour Grapes. Like that was a that was a more rock and heavy EP. Yeah, it just didn't work. It didn't work with the bass and songs, but that didn't mean that we didn't love the song. It just wasn't right for the criticals at that moment. Gotcha. But now it makes sense. So I think it's more of a timing thing. Yeah, it's mostly timing, but sometimes we write stuff that's just crazy and, you know, <laughs> should go to a different artist, you know? Well, yeah, hey, hey, Prince wrote all kinds of stuff for all kinds of other folks. I mean, you got uh, he wrote, I don't know how many songs he wrote for the Bengals, and he had just all kinds of great hits, and he was like, this isn't a Prince song, but yeah. I'm going to throw it out there. Um, yeah. Now, Front Door Confessions, we've got six songs What's got you the most excited about these songs? What what you know? What's the shiny new thing on these songs that you want people to hear? How are they you know different from the the last uh, music you put out? Man, I just think the mixes are next level on this one. Um, we got uh, compared to the stuff I I've pretty much for the most part mixed uh, most of the stuff that we have out nice. um, up until now and. I mixed the title track, Front Door Confrontations, but that was just because I, Cole and I both just loved what we had recorded that one night. We kind of just put a little mix on it um, when we when we recorded that years ago, and that's the version that's out now. So we didn't we just didn't want to touch it. There's a cool like little magic about that one. But Mark Needham is on tracks one through three, and uh, and Vance Powell did Clever Girl and Burn with Me, and those guys are just monsters. I mean, they just they took the mix and the, just the whole production to the next level. So that's what I've been most excited about. Nice. And I think a lot of fans who have been following us for, you know, the years that we've been putting stuff out, like, we'll definitely hear a difference as well. Nice. Nice. Yeah. What do you like about them, Cole? I like that we had a little bit more time on this project. It was really cool. I mean, for the for the most part of this band, I mean, worked 40 hours a week and like yeah. we get we get together on the weekends or one night and it would be kind of like we never really had an extended amount of time and not to say this was recorded an extended amount of time we, I think we tracked everything in about six days and then we did drums another day so I mean everything was done probably within a week to eight days yeah um, but having a time where that was the only focus and we could really dive in mm-hmm. and really hone in on what the parts were and how things sit and even like our miking process instead of just putting a 57 on the guitars and calling it quits like we got to do some things that i think are a little bit more interesting and add a little bit more flair sonically i think like this is the most proud i've ever been of music that we've ever done and honestly music that i've ever been a part of my entire life so 
But I think a lot of that comes from just having the opportunity to put time and effort and be solely in the music. Yeah, for you know, sure. for sure. I mean, it, it came out uh, great. I mean, I love, I love Belmont. I love Clever Girl. I love uh, Burn, uh, Burn with Me. The the bassline and guitar riff, the building of it uh, through you know both sort of the beginning and the end. It's it's got such a good feel to it. Along, Thank you, man. along Thanks. with those songs, you guys had videos that just came out, Belmont and Clever Girl. Um, great videos, very different videos for them. I'm, I'm a little concerned for the guy that was getting tied up with ties in the Clever Girl video. But other than that, all all good. Do you guys like doing videos? I mean, do you get excited to do yeah. videos for the EPs? Yeah, yeah. I love it. This, uh I mean, the Clever Girl video, that was the first video we had done in a year and a half. First one since absence. So it felt really good and, and felt fresh. It always, the videos are always fun because it's a completely different thing than recording or playing live. You know, it's kind of out of our zone a little bit, but it's still revolved around the song. And it's, it always makes me kind of like, I have this little existential moment when we're doing videos where I kind of like, just for some reason remember back to like where I was when I wrote this line mm. that's being sang right now or like I remember the innocence of the song you know and like specific memories or images of that that I have in my head and then it's like it you know you got cameras around and like the whole bands and you got hair and makeup and it's like it's cool to see uh kind of like hearing a song when it comes out you know or when when you get the master back to yeah. a song it's it's uh it's cool to think about all those memories and those like those uh just how much it grows mm -hmm. you know so it felt really good to to shoot some videos again it's always a blast especially when you work with you know great directors and teams like daniel cheney and hannah hall you know like it's it. always make it very easy yeah do you those are good friends too so it makes it even cooler that we you know you get to make friends with our <laughs> make art with your friends for sure for sure well now do you try going like really different style of videos every go round? do you want to make it or is it just like let's match the song let's match whatever we're sort of thinking with the song yeah uh, I, I go ahead i was just gonna say i feel like it's it's mostly song matching mm -hmm. um like specifically for belmont i mean that's kind of all yeah. song matching and um and I think Daniel and Kat did a fantastic job on on uh, doing kind of what we what we wanted the video to portray. Um, and I mean, Clever Girl is just it's just fun, yeah. you know. And that was um, that was much more of a uh, that was much more of a Hannah thing uh, as far as the individual shots and kind of some of the ideas and stuff. Um, that was. That was very much letting her take the reins on that. And uh, honestly, we never really have any problems with people taking the reins on that. But um, but I think it fit the song really well. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. You know, same as when you sit down to decide what's going on a project. Or, you know, should should we wait on this song? Should we save, you know, what Cole was talking about with front door confrontations a minute ago. It's, it's always, it should just always be about that thing, mm -hmm. you know, and what, what feels the best and not what analytics tell you to do or what, you know, uh, somebody else tells you to do if you don't feel it in your, in your gut, you know, we just always try to, always try to stick with that. 
Got to feel it in your loins, man. I think that's a good philosophy. It's got to be. It's got to be warm and frothy before you do anything in those loins. That's true. <laughs> it's true. Well, now. You guys got a, a run of shows there on the West Coast all during the month of September, going going up and down there. Um, any plans on coming to Florida anytime soon? Are we going to get lucky? We're trying Dude, we're our best. Fine. Okay. Yeah, we've never made it to Florida, which is so weird. That's like the last corner for us that we haven't hit. I'm tell- so bizarre. I'm telling you, we've got we've got a lot of uh, we got a lot of rock fans. I think it would be it would be good for the both of us. It would be good for the band. It'd be good for the people of Florida. I think you need to you need to make it happen soon. Yeah, we would love we to. I think I, I think we're planning something in November. Okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna. But it's not announced yet. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm keep, keeping the fingers crossed. But uh, until then, we're just gonna have to enjoy the EP. We're gonna have to make it work with the music that we have now. Uh, Parker, Cole, I want to thank you guys for uh, taking the time to talk to us. It's been a pleasure. Hey, thank Thanks, you so man. much for having us on, man. For sure, yeah, it's been awesome. For sure. Well, listeners, make sure you check them out on their website, thecriticalsofficial.com. Right now, let's take a listen to Clever Girl right here on the Doc G Show. It comes and goes like a leopard in the snow I guess I was told to stub it on my big toe Should they be shocked that the wedding day fell through the floor Got busted the slams while he was on the dean's list Check on your friends, make sure they don't agree with sweet Uncle Sam And all that he's put us through Stone, it's the sex in his tone Talk is taking too long Clap the girl, she is one foot too far away from the door You left him in your briefcase Much better plan Competing in the rat race We gave a shit And that's where everything went alright Yeah, there's a drunk boy Left his tab in the ocean Of emotion was too kind to stab I said, hold on He left his pants at his ankles Stone It's the sex in his tone Talk
back here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. You just heard the Criticals. And I just talked to the Criticals. Mike, nice fellas. Yeah, they are. Nice fellas. Parker, Cole, good guys. Good guys. Uh, Parker reminds me a little bit uh, visually of uh, Mick Jagger. Word. He's got a Mick Jagger face. Take a look at him. Split it. Interesting. Split, you know, do a split screen, uh, Mick Jagger, Parker. Um, Now, the big difference is, is like, I think Parker is very tall and uh, Mick Jagger is very not tall. So Mm -hmm. uh, there is that difference as far as actually stature. But, you know, they're both singers. They, uh, and they met when they were really young, like Keith. That's true. Richard and that's true. And, and Mick Jagger. Uh, Keith, Keith, uh, Keith Richards and uh, and Mick Jagger. Yes, very true. Seven. They met when yeah. they were seven. These guys met when they were thirteen. You know. Yeah. Uh, any any other comments there on the uh, interview, Mike? We got. Uh yeah. So hot chicken does count in Vegas. It does count. Just want to throw that out. I figured you might think about that. I don't know if it counts. Oh, it counts. Hattie B's. Shout out to Hattie B's. Um, It's crazy how many bands they were in before they got in their final band. Like I never, I never know like with band culture. Like yeah, you you're in like tons of bands before you find. Well, it's it's different for some people. You know, you have some you have some artists that will. I mean, like, that's the thing is I've talked to artists. I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head, and none of them are coming to to me now. But I've definitely talked to people that have, like, literally 30, 40 years in the music industry, one band. You know, they only, yeah. they only were in that band. It stuck. That was what they did, and that was it. And, you know, mm-hmm. and then there's people that, yeah, it's... 40 bands, 50 bands. They play with everybody. Some people just like the variety, you know? Even if it's a good band, it's not like they disband because they're they're upset at each other. It's just like, I want to change. Yeah. I want to go to something else. Yeah, like they want to play just side guitar on like yeah, yeah, and so like they a just metal band or something. They do a whole bunch of yeah, they do a whole bunch of session work. They come in and yeah, I mean, you look at Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. That's what he did. He was a session guitarist for before he started doing Zeppelin. I mean, he played on all kinds of songs, uh, you know, before that. In the early 60s, that's, I mean, he was just on song after song after song. It's wild. Yeah. What a crazy job. Pretty wild. You're like, you're like a rock star, but then you also like to fill in. Uh, anyways, uh, what was the other thing? Um, yeah, it's interesting, too, how songs, like with bands, they don't work during a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. But then later on... That same song works. Yeah. You know, it's like they write like a piece of a song and then it's like kind of in the well, back catalog. Even, even the with them, their songs, that was the weird thing about what, what they were telling uh, telling me during the interview is like, you know, theirs was they wrote the whole thing. And it was just like, all right, well, I, we don't like this right now. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know what? Yeah, no, this is good. So, I mean, I, I think that's really unique because most of the time it's like you said, most of the time it's like, you'll write three quarters of it, and then it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to finish this, or I don't know what this should go to, or I don't know what the mel- melody should be. And then all of a sudden, you know, five years later, oh, okay, I see what I should do here. And now, I, you know, and they revive it, right? But theirs is, they're just like, nope, we're not feeling it. And then they came back, and they're like, yeah, okay, now we feel it. Like, so, interesting, man. Yeah, it is. Um, Dr. G, last thing, was there, I, I think we've talked about this on the show, but th- was there anything that you've ever asked for for Christmas that you, that you 
were like, this is the most I've ever wanted something for Christmas. What was that thing? What was what was the number one thing you wanted for Christmas growing up that you got? You know, these guys got the guitar. Yeah. He got the drum set. He got the drum set. Honestly, I don't know. Hmm. I couldn't, I can't, I can't think of one that was like, I had to have it, you know? I did ask for a drum set. That was one thing that I, and I did get it. Um, hmm. And I used it and I did not become a rock star. Nope. But uh, that was one. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I'll see if I can think of one thing that was like, this I've got to have, you know? Yeah. I don't know if there is. Would you have one? I asked for uh, Jordans one year mm. for Christmas. I got uh, Jordans from my grandmother. She bought me Jordans because I was getting roasted in fifth grade for my shoes, Doc G. I'd never been roasted in my life. You have like LA gear? My shoes. Do you have some kind of I don't know lame. what my shoes were. I, <laughs> I have no idea. Well, you're fifth grade. And, uh, That's where you all of yeah. a sudden you realize. You're like, you people give this oh man yeah. what <laughs> just having fun running uh, around in the jungle gym you guys got a joke on me because of these shoes come on man lame. just roasted fifth graders it's unnecessary Relentless. mike as you know it is that's sort of one of those things now that i'm an adult i don't want to get in trouble with parents but when you see that going on you just want to go over there and be like knock it off head his shoes are all right Come on, they're pretty cool. <laughs> like, like he doesn't have the money. Where is he gonna get this from? He has to go to his parents. Does his parents have the money? Yeah, exactly. You don't know, you turds. Come on. Like, uh, hey, I think it actually made me a better person. I think the roasting was actually for me criticism that I needed in my life. Get a little, like, you know what? Get, I need to, yeah. Get a little thicker skin. And you were like, yeah. all right, now I'm gonna stab somebody. Oh my what? god, that took a <laughs> serious turn. Uh, Mike, we need to move on. We need to go to the fastest growing segment in the world. Mike C top three. I'm going to say right off the bat, uh, bat again, Mike. Um, whew. This is hard. This is hard. Yeah, it was for challenging. Me. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a lot easier, too. And I, I was a little stumped on it. And so I actually went to our good friends at BuzzFeed. Word. Mm. And they actually have a there quiz for this, Mike. Oh. They have a quiz. What fictional world should you live in? I took the quiz. First of all, I'm going to say I have no idea how their quiz actually came up with which one I should be in. It made no sense to me, and I do not agree with their uh, final choice. <laughs> but uh, do you, you want to take a guess? What do you think, based on my answers, they chose for me where I should uh, where I should live? Hmm. Uh, in a Wayne Gretzky movie, not Wayne Gretzky. Uh, huh? no. Um, oh, what was the? Uh, uh, now I'm forgetting the Saturday Night Live guys. Um, Mike. Oh, Myers. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. There we go. Wayne's. I could. That would actually. I'd be up for that if I could live in his fictional world. That sounds <laughs> it's just pretty regular good. Regular Earth. <laughs> yeah, except uh, you get to hang out, and it's basically us. Except we got a we got a TV show instead of a, yeah. instead of a radio show. So you know, yeah, I like it. Now they chose for me, Mike, Wonderland. Blam. Wonderland. Yeah, Alice in Wonderland. Hmm. And I, and I gotta say no, Mike. That place freaks me out. A lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the Hatter's pretty dope. He's pretty crazy, and that's fun, and he seems pretty harmless. But I got to be honest, I'm not messing with the Queen of Hearts. She's going around killing people. Off with their heads? No, thank you. I don't want to be in that place. Yeah. No way. 
Yeah, plus, I mean, it's it's freaky in there. No way, Mike. Wonderland is not my play. And I put in that as far as my answers. One of the questions was, what is your irrational fear? And uh, one of the answer choices was, I'm afraid of everything. And I was like, well, that sounds good. That's a fact. I do do frighten easily. Let's go with that one. Yes! How, if I'm afraid of everything, are you sending me to that scary place? (laughs) It doesn't make sense to me. Anyways, Mike, um, so yeah, I had to eliminate a lot of worlds like that on my list, you know? Yeah, Oz, same thing, yeah. Oz, I don't want to be an Oz. Uh, yeah. Isla Nublar, no, I don't want to be with the Jurassic Park. No way I'm getting yeah, eaten. Mm-mm. Yeah, same thing, yeah. Mm-mm. But, Mike, uh, should we do honorable mentions uh, after or before? Uh, we could do them before. I, I got a couple. I don't think they're gonna overlap. Okay. Well, uh, my uh, I'll give you my three. These are I've got three honorable mentions. First one, okay. Legoland. Sweet. <laughs> that just looks fun, Mike. Let's just be honest. Yeah. It just looks really fun. <laughs> Didn't even think about that. But yeah, you can get yeah, detached yeah, sure. things on your body. You can attach to. Uh-huh. It just looks. It looks cool. Ah, uh, what a great one. Didn't even think about that. But yeah, looks good. Good one. Uh, honorable mention: Gotham City. If I can be Batman. If I can't be Batman, then I don't want to be in Gotham City at all. Nope. But no, if I can, no. if I can have Dangerous. all of his stuff, okay, I'll be in Bat. I'll be in Gotham. Might City. Might as well live in Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, basically, just. Uh, no, hey, nothing against Chicago. No, it's dreary. It's cold. I mean, didn't they film most of the Dark Knight in Chicago? Wasn't that? Yeah, yeah. I think they did. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, then the last honorable mention, Mike uh, Sherwood Forest from Robin Hood, specifically mm. 1991's Robin Hood. After they pimp out the forest, you know, mm. and they got their okay. cool little tree houses that go everywhere <clears throat> and their little pulley systems that bring everything up. That just looks so fun. Just looks mm-hmm. so awesome. Yeah. And then the mm. barbarians come in and ruin it. Those turds. Jeez. Come on. Yeah. Kevin Costner. Shout out to him. Love to have a Zoom yeah. meeting with Great him movie. someday. Uh, yeah. Shout out. Uh, Mike, what are your honorable mentions? Uh, honorable mentions. Hey, Arnold's room. <laughs> <laughs> nice in Washington. Nice. He lives in Washington. I didn't know that. I thought it was in New York City. I was like, man, he's got the freaking skylight. Yeah. Uh, he's got top floor, three sixty degrees. But it's Washington, but yeah. huh? Yeah, he lives at the make fictional town of Washington in Washington State. Okay, Hill, Hill something. Uh, and then uh, Avatar Land. Uh, I think that would probably be a pretty cool place to live. A little scary, uh, but it's okay. Threats. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, and then. Um, this isn't really, uh, this was going to be in my top three, but then I was like, that does not look like a great place to live, but Jetsons, yeah. uh, the Jetson City. No. It's like, uh, but the, I was going to say like, and I wrote this down because I think they should make a Jetsons movie. Like they need to Oh yeah. I think, I think that Jetsons. one's been tried many times and then failed. You know, it's one of those that they thought about and like whatever reason it wasn't feasible or, you know. Maybe, I mean, you know, Barbie came out. Maybe they'll get a Jetsons one. One. They need something like that. Yeah, full CGI. I don't care. Yeah. Like, let's make a Jetsons Get it movie. going. Anyways. Top yeah, three, Mike. Top three. My number three. I'm almost positive it's on your list. It may be number one. You don't have to make a reaction to this, but my number three, Neverland. Um, mm. I mean, again... I'm a big Freddy cat. That's a fact. Uh, and yes, there is Captain Hook, but I'm pretty sure as long as I hang with Pan, I'll be I'll be safe. 
you know? So mm-hmm. as long yeah. as I got Pam by my side, I'm good with Neverland. It looks fun. We have imaginary food fights that are actually real food fights because you believe you got all kinds of fun things to do all day. Looks like a pretty awesome time. Uh, so that's my mm-hmm. number three. Yeah. Mike, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, number, yeah. you're number three. For sure. Oh, yeah. One more honorable mention uh, before I, is uh, the... Um Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. Mm. Even though that's not really like a world, those guys look like they're having a great time. Specifically, I think it was the old one. I think that's the only one that's ever been made, but that movie looked that was out, out there. Anyways, they're living, uh, man, in the trees. Yeah. Yeah. They're living it. Uh, Toy Story mm. world. I think Toy Story would be good. It's like a non threatening environment. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it just, it's it's very symmetric. Yeah. The <laughs> only, only thing you got to worry about is the, the weird, uh, the weird disjointed toys. Those guys are a little scary. But aside from that, <laughs> yeah. Aside from yeah. that, everything's yeah. good, man. Everything's good. Very pe- peachy environment. Yeah. Yeah. What's your number two? Number two. Middle Earth. Mm. Um, mm. But I'm pretty sure I'd never want to leave the Shire. I just want to hang out in Hobbit Land. That's just... Mm-hmm. Hobbit Land looks fun. I might be able to hang out in Valinor. Uh, that's where the elves are. But I don't know. They sometimes mm-hmm. scare me. You know, they're immortal and yeah. they have those weird languages and they just... You know, they, they, they can turn on you. I don't know. Yeah. I'd also like to hang out in Fangorn. That's where the uh, talking trees are. Right? Like to hang out with those guys. They look really fun. You know, I think I could have a good time with Fangor and the Talking Tree. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, there's a couple of spots in Middle Earth. I'm definitely not going anywhere close to Mordor. That's not happening. Nope. Uh, not going in any of those scary places. Nope. Wherever that giant, yeah, no that giant spider is, I'm not going anywhere close to that area either. No. Um, <laughs> but, you know. I will, I'll, I'll hang in the Shire. That looks good. You just hang out yeah. in nice green fields, and you got your little huts yeah, everywhere. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's really my, that's my nice. number two. Mike, your number two. My number two, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, mm. uh, first movie. <laughs> I guess it's like, you got, it doesn't matter, but yeah. You got to watch out for those those skeleton uh, pirates. I'm not messing with those guys. Yeah. No way. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's, it's a little risky, but you know, hey, uh, that, that, that time period you're living seems it, nice. You're living by the seat of your pants. I like it, Mike. You're getting crazy. Yeah. You're getting crazy. <laughs> Me? I played it safe on all of these. I played it basically like, hey... Can can I have fun and also be safe at all times? That was basically yeah. my my look at it. My number <laughs> my number one, Mike, and I'm pretty serious about this one. Sesame Street. Sweet. Ooh, God, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, Sesame Street. That's a good one. I mean, yeah. I'd probably just hang out with Oscar all day and talk crap about everybody else. You know, just lean against his can. We just wait for people to come by and I'd be like, Big Bird, what a goober, mm. man, always being positive. And then may I would definitely, if I live there, definitely ride Snuffleupagus. 100% mm-hmm. I would jump on his back and be like, let's get it, Snuff. Let's go, brother. You know? He would let you. Yeah, yeah. you know. And he'd mm-hmm. probably be happier about it. He seems so depressed. You'd get him a little excited, you know? Just, let's go ride, yeah. man. You got Cookie, <laughs> you got cookie Monster. That dude's always down to hang if you got a cookie, you know? You're just like, hey, there you go, yeah. man. Let's talk. Elmo, he's a little bit weird, but, you know, he seems to have fun, so that's nice. Yeah. Bert and Ernie, 
I'd say they probably live in Wilton Manor, man. They're just a fun gay couple <laughs> living it up on Sesame Street. That's a good time, man. So overall, I say Sesame Street is a great place to live. I'm very, very yeah. happy about that one. Mike, you're number one. Yeah, my number one was just like your number three. It'd be uh, Neverland, but it would be specifically Hook Universe. Oh, Mm, yeah. yeah, well, Hook Neverland. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, like I mentioned, there's there's some fun things there. The imaginary food fights, the the cool. Mm. I I even like you know where they're with the pirates with the baseball game. You know, that just mm-hmm. looks uh, it looks uh, it looks wild. You know, yeah, it's uh, it is a, it's a very and and you know Julia Roberts is Tinkerbell. It's always a good time. Yeah, you can't you can't beat that. And the pirates are like beat upable. You know, you can beat up all the pirates. It's not like you're gonna lose. So it's not really like a dangerous. That's true. Although although I will say even even though well, Rufio it, Rufio lost. Even though it is Dustin Hoffman, I will say he does scare me a little bit though. In that yeah. you know, yeah, he does. He's got a little you know, he's a little bit of creepiness. You, when when he's a good hook. When Jack is always talking to him, you're like, watch out, Jack! Don't mess with that dude. <laughs> Come on, man. He's bad news. Uh, Believe in your dad. He's Robin Williams and he's Peter Pan combined. Come on. Yeah. Good time. Anyways, Mike, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's our top three. What's our top three for next week? What do you got? Let's try uh, top three hot sauces. Oh. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. top three hot that sauces. That one will be easier. I like that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be easier. Mm-hmm. There's less choices. I think I've already got my number one. I do have my go-to hot sauce, so I think I've got that. Okay. Cool. Good. Listeners, top hot sauces. Mike, we've got two birthday suits left. What do you want? Do you want the writer that I don't think you'll get or the uh, director that you may get? Let's try for the uh, director. Okay. Born on August 2nd, 1939 in Cleveland, Ohio. Our birthday suit wearer was interested in reading and writing growing up. He went to Wheaton College where he received a degree in psychology, but then went to John Hopkins for a master's in writing. For several years after school, he taught as a professor. Uh, a friend of his, Stephen Chapin, got him interested in filmmaking. He first started in the por- pornography industry working under pseudonyms, but eventually moved on to feature films. His first feature film was The Last House on the Left. It's very popular, so it got him stuck in the horror genre. He didn't want to be in the horror genre, but he essentially had no choice. The next film that he created that had a lot of uh, uh, cred behind it was The Hills Have Eyes cementing him as a horror film director. In 1984, he created the landmark film Nightmare on Elm Street. In 1996, he created a movie that would end up launching an entire franchise, Scream, which led to Scream 2, Scream 3, Scream 4. Sadly, our birthday suit wearer passed away in 2015. Name that birthday suit wearer. No idea. Let's see if uh, initials will help you any. WC. WC. Mm-hmm. Um. Ah, no. They they kind of help, but uh, yeah, it's not. You'll to know me. it. You'll know it when I say it. Wes Craven. Wes Craven. Ah, yeah. Wes Craven. Knew you know it. Knew you know it. It is. 
it's a name that you hear and you're like, obviously, but you just don't think about it. Like you just, it's, it's, yeah, it's removed up there. Yeah. West man, just, uh, just a, a horror making machine. And before that, apparently a pornography making machine. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. nicely done for Wes. Uh, Wes would have been, let's see, what would he have turned? He would have turned 84 if he would have, uh, still be living today. Uh, mm. Had cancer. He passed away from cancer, ah. sadly. Uh, Mike, uh, this one, I don't know. I don't think you're you're much into the Harlem Renaissance as far as writers, but we will see if you can name this individual. Born on August 2nd, 1924 in New York City. He was raised by his mother and stepfather in 1941. He gradua- uh, Before he graduated, he dropped out of school to help earn money for his mother he wanted to be a writer, wrote a lot personally, but during this time of his life, didn't get it uh, because he was trying to raise money for his family. He got his first opportunity to write when he published a review of Maxim Gorky in the magazine The Nation in 1947. In 1948, he moved to Paris, where he wrote frantically, uh, not uh, not publishing anything for the first few years, but his first major uh, publish. Uh, publishing was a uh, commentary in a magazine. He published more and more, predominantly on the topic of civil rights, predominantly on the rights of black men. In 1953, he published one of his seminal works, the novel Go Tell It on, a Ma- on the Mountain, which is a semi-autobiographical book. Time magazine ranked it as one of the 100 best novels from 1923 to 2005. In 1955, he published Notes of a, of, Na- of a Native Son, another seminal piece. The Modern Library placed it at number 19 on their 100 best 20th century nonfiction books. He continued to write great books but returned to America. Once he returned to America, a birthday suit wrote more on uh, civil rights. In 1972, he wrote a, tr- a tremendous essay titled No Name in the Street, which looks uh, looked at his own experience when three of his friends, uh, Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King, were all assassinated. Our birthday suit wearer passed away from stomach cancer in 1987. Uh, our birthday suit wearer is considered an extremely influential author, author of the 20th century. Name that birthday suit wearer. Mm, no idea. Going to give you the initials. Probably won't help. J.B. No. Bet you heard of the name before. James Baldwin. James Baldwin. Possibly. Prominent uh, writer, Mike. uh, Did a little bit of everything there. James James did it all. But, yes, very, uh, very uh, well-known by his writing there. Hats off to James. Uh, James would have been, oh man, would have been 99. He would have really been living it up if he uh, if he was still alive there. Uh, happy birthday to all the birthday suit wearers, Mike. We need to wrap it up for this week, but we do have two fantastic shows coming up. My goodness, next week we have none other than Diamond Rio country music stars for the last like 30 years, Mike can't wait to uh to talk to him it's gonna be fantastic and then the next week after that i'm very excited we got a new up-and-comer who just uh she just released 
her her newest album, or she's getting ready to release her newest album, ZZ Ward. Sweet. ZZ mm. Ward, man. She's a uh, wow. She's getting it done, man. And she's got some like she got some really cool features on her songs there as far as folks that are uh, on her new uh, on her new songs. She got Vic Menza, the rapper on one of her songs on this album. Very cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah, but we got both of them coming up. Can't wait to talk to ZZ. Can't talk. I uh, can't wait to talk to Diamond Rio. But until next week, Mike, we need to wrap it up. I've been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus, the Vernicus, Charette. Always a pleasure, Doc G. Thank you so much for having me. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity doo dah.